You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, it has begun. Daniel Whelan is officially the Green Bay Packers punter. Pat O'Donnell is officially out the door. Um, Pat O'Donnell was released. He's the first one to go. Daniel Whelan, I saw... Let me check and see what this says here. Daniel Whelan is set to become the first Irish-born player to play an NFL game in nearly 40 years. But, you know, I mean, I don't know when it was. It would have just been a couple days ago. We just talked about this. The very real possibility that Daniel... It might have been on um, Packing It After Dark, somebody asked, and it just kind of... It just started to make sense. But the, the question was, how do we... You know, what is the big picture view of this? And the big picture view really was Daniel Whelan all along. And that's kind of what I expressed, right? Pat O'Donnell is the safe pick. On the other hand, what have the Packers been doing? They're doing away with safe. They're bringing in the young, high upside guys that they're hoping can lead for the next generation. And they're going to find out if Daniel Whelan's a guy or not. If he is, we're set, dude. Punters can play for a while. If he's not, we find a new one. But we're not going to play it safe with Pat O'Donnell. We're going to let it be what it is. And then, you know, again, as I said, Packers seem to have a strong aversion to uh, paying special teamers any amount of money whatsoever. So, you know, I personally took the safe route. I said, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just sticking with my gut on a lot of things. And I expect to be wrong on a lot of things. I expect to be wrong on Brenton Cox. Pat O'Donnell, again, that makes a ton of sense. Probably wrong about Jonathan Ford making it. Could very well be wrong about Grant DeBose not making it. Innis Gaines, Tavarius Moore. I mean, the, the safeties I'm probably going to get wrong somewhere. You know, Tavarius Moore being off or any one of these guys being on. I mean, Rudy Ford, Darnell Savage, basically locks. Other than that, there could be some surprises. But I don't want to just kind of get that old man, because I, I do that. Like, I see somebody else's 53, and I'm like, oh, why are you so stupid? Why, why wouldn't you do that? I'm not switching. I'm sticking to my guns. We'll see what happens. But it really just does paint a picture. We're looking for the young, high upside. And if you can do it, great. If you can't, then we'll figure it out. That's what we're doing this year is figuring it out. And you could say that with, like, Patrick Taylor and Emmanuel Wilson, technically. But I also don't really... Like, Daniel Whelan got a ton of opportunities. And I didn't really look closely enough at it. I, honestly, special teams, I didn't hardly look at it all aside from Carlson, and he didn't have any competition. But Whelan was doing a great job. And, and I think he actually won the competition outright. That seems to be the, the assumption of many people. I, I don't necessarily think that's the case with Emmanuel Wilson. I don't think they've given him the opportunities. I know, I think it was Thomas Austin tagged me in a video of, like, Emmanuel Wilson blocking one guy one time, and it's like, well, that's nice. That's probably his one block of his entire preseason. But um, I'm trying to think if there are any other blatant examples of young guys competing with some of the old guard. I don't really think that's much of a thing. I mean, Valentine's already secured himself, obviously. I mean, you, you, you could argue Malik Heath. But he's not competing with any older guys, and I think he's it's not really super controversial at this point. So, swing and a miss, but I'm happy for Whelan, and I'm, I'm hoping that uh, we're going to be all right through this. But I think as Packer fans, we just, we just got to buckle in, man. We know, we know it's got to be a little bit bumpy. But we also know that we can be excited about the upside, right? Carlson can bang it from 65. He also could miss an extra point, like legitimately just shank it. Daniel Whelan, we know he's got a freaking massive leg. So did J.K. Scott, right? We know about the upside of Anthony Johnson, of Carrington Valentine, of Brenton Cox and Lucas Van Ness and Kingsley and Igbari and Brooks and Wooden and Luke Musgrave. But you also got to know, man, people are going to be making mistakes. I just watched today for the first time. I went through the uh, first three episodes of uh, Hard Knocks. And it, it really is very enjoyable. And it's easy to get, like, really hyped up about a team, you know? I know that happened with Detroit and pretty much any team you watch on Hard Knocks. It's like, dude, they're going to be freaking good. But one of the things that stood up, stood out, and it's, it's, it's one of those things you know, but then when you see it, you, you don't just know it, you understand it. And that is just the absolute psychotic depth of knowledge that a guy like Aaron Rodgers has. 
There's so many nuanced things that you can't get unless you have 10, 15 years of experience playing in the NFL. You can't just know it. And we lost all that, you know? And that comes with positives and negatives. Randall Cobb has so much freaking knowledge, but he doesn't have the body to give you the amount of production that you need. Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, Tay Wicks, Malik Heath, Samori Ture, there's no experience there. Luke Musgrave, Tucker Craft, Austin Allen. I mean, if, if Josiah DeGuara, if we're going to call him a fullback, we have no experience. We have a combined, basically, two years of experience of, like, playing an actual full season between those, let's see, six, seven, eight, nine players and all of our receiving threats, not including running backs. There's going to be mistakes. Zach Tom is young, new to the game. Jordan Love, who runs the show. Fundamentally sound, looking good, making some good decisions and good reads and all that stuff. A lot of stuff that dude doesn't know. But we also know there's a lot of upside. That dude can make some crazy, crazy throws and some some fantastic plays, as can Watson, as can Dobbs, as can Reed. So it's going to be a bumpy ride, but it should be, hopefully, (laughs) semi-enjoyable. Now, with any release, there is a chance that they get signed back to the practice squad. And that goes for everybody that's been released. But as I said before, the earlier that they're released, the less likely it is that they're going to make the practice squad, right? Um, So I think releasing Pat O'Donnell early is a matter of they know they want Daniel Whelan. They know that. And I I think the, the intelligent thing that I should have thought of prior to this whole thing is that the Packers want Daniel Whelan to be the guy. I mean, that was always the case even back when when Crosby was here. But I think there was also a lot more fear. You know, you don't want to just lose your kicker when you're competing for a Super Bowl and, you know, game-losing missed field goal uh, in the NFC Championship or something. But they wanted Whelan to be the guy. And I think Ty goes to Daniel Whelan. Even if Daniel Whelan was slightly worse than Pat O'Donnell, it's likely that they would have gone with Whelan. And I think that was just sort of the overlooked thing on my part. So I don't expect any of the people that have been cut thus far, Pat O'Donnell, Jake, uh, Jake Hansen, Jeff Cotton, Danny Etling, Ladarius Hamilton, Cameron McDonald, Chuck Filiaga, or Jonathan Garvin to be put back on the practice squad. I think they were let go early to get opportunities to go bye-bye because we know that we're just, we don't really need or want them. And I saw, I forget who it was, somebody had uh, just posted, maybe if it was JJ or what, but there's only three players that are in their 30s. It's Preston, Bakhtiari, and who would it be? Oh, Devondre. And it's just 30, 30, and 31. That's it. Devondre and Preston are 30. David Bakhtiari is 31. So anyways, we get at least an ounce of clarity. I will keep an eye on that as we go along, see if there's any breaking news. That's all I have for now. What I wanted to do today, though, was to begin the process of looking forward to the regular season. And that means getting... Kind of our first look, or at least our first refresher of the Chicago Bears. Obviously, a lot of things have changed for them from last year. I've talked a lot of trash about what a completely pathetic level of upgrading they've done. But the reality is they have done some upgrading. They got none of the superstars that they wanted. The only quote-unquote superstars they got were certainly questionable, like going out and getting linebackers and whatnot. But it is a better team. And then on top of that, you've got a, they, they had a series of injuries that just started piling up for them. So kind of just going and uh, starting to look at some of that stuff. So anyways, I want to read this to you because as we all know, or as many of us know who have been engaged with Chicago Bears fans, they are convinced that really the only thing between the Chicago Bears being the having the number one overall pick, worst team in football, and being Super Bowl contenders was the offensive line and the wide receivers. Now, obviously, this is ridiculous. The quarterback quarterback played like garbage. The tight end is no good. And the defense was the, I believe, 32nd-ranked defense in football, and not because of a linebacker. I mean, yes, because of a linebacker, but not just because of a linebacker. But anyways, in their mind, they massively upgraded a bunch of positions. Really, what they did is they drafted a rookie, which generally, as a rookie, you don't dominate in your first year. I've, I've gone through that before. It's just not a thing that usually happens. It could, but it probably won't. They went out and got Nate Davis to play guard. He's not very good, but they're all excited about it. They took Cody Whitehair, who was great in his rookie year and then just kind of became garbage ever since, from left guard to center. They moved Tevin Jenkins, I believe, from right tackle to left guard. 
And then Braxton Jones continues to play left tackle. So again, it's mostly shuffling. So they shuffled two guys in two new spots. They have one guy staying where he is, and then two new pieces on the right side. Let me just read um, this paragraph to you. This is from sportsmockery.com. Fans wanted to see some good news from the offensive line this past month. In fairness, they did. Unfortunately, it wasn't for most of the starters. That's because injuries have been a main story for the Chicago Bears throughout the preseason. Left guard Tevin Jenkins. So they love Tevin Jenkins. Very excited about him. Remember, he was supposed to be a tackle, and then he ended up being like a third-string guy. Like, he was terrible. They kicked him into guard because he's basically just a big, massive road grader. And then he really kind of impressed, I guess. Really, he's just a dominant run blocker and kind of not a very good pass blocker. Anyways, left guard Tevin Jenkins suffered a calf calf injury that could keep him out for a month. Now, if my math is correct, that means Tevin Jenkins will not be playing in this game. That forced Cody Whitehair to shift over to his spot. So really, it's kind of like losing two things if we're counting shifting as being a new piece. Because you lost your new center, he's going back to left guard. So now you have the same left tackle, the same left guard, and you lost Tevin Jenkins. Goes on to say, Lucas Patrick was supposed to fill in for him, this is at center, but he's hurt and hasn't practiced for weeks. Their prize free agent acquisition, Nate Davis, which is a hilarious first part of the sentence, hasn't practiced most of training camp. And now first round pick Darnell Wright is ailing with an ankle injury. And then just something for a little bit of fun here. This is the bottom paragraph. It says, they're they're talking about um, the one standout which is Braxton Jones. That was their left tackle last year, will continue to be the left tackle. He looked really good in the preseason, at least according to these people. Let me check his uh, PFF real quick. Yeah, so his, uh, his pass blocking grade was very good. Anyways, let me read this to you. It says, His first test will be a familiar one. Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary figured to test how much he's learned in the past year. First round pick Lucas Van Ness also poses plenty of power, which was Braxton Jones' kryptonite last season. Bro, if power is his kryptonite, that guy's screwed. You think Lucas Van Ness is the only guy that's got power? Do you know anything about Rashawn Gary? His whole thing is, I'm going to grab you by your freaking chest, lift you up, and slam you into that quarterback. I'm going to make you the meat in this sandwich, and your quarterback's about to be the bottom bun. Did you see what Kingsley and Inigbare did to that poor right tackle? Power rushing is what this entire edge group is built on. Braxton Jones' kryptonite is power? Good lord! There goes their one good player. Jeez. Beyond that, I mean, look, the the offensive line isn't very good, and and there's really nobody here that we know is the answer long-term. They like their left tackle. We'll see. The guy gave up 40 pressures and had 12 penalties. He was um, 12th in pressures for all tackles in the NFL and had the second highest amount, 13 is the highest amount of penalties of any offensive tackle, he had 12. But Tevin Jenkins, I mean, Bears fans are already looking at it saying this was a, this was a wasted pick. They, they like him as a player, but the injuries are just piling up. Let me read this other article, it comes from uh, BearGogleson.com. The former second round pick has started merely 13 games in two years as a Bear due to his recurring health problems. Jenkins has dealt with neck strains, back surgeries, and hip strains in his brief tenure as a bear, which is quite quite the resume. Typically, injury problems don't get better when you get closer to 30 than 20, especially when you are a massive, as massive as Tevin Jenkins, who clocked in at 320 pounds. It says Tevin Jenkins' status for week one is now in doubt as Jenkins is rumored to be dealing with what could be two different calf strains in both legs. So we'll see what happens. And you always got to be on your toes with Justin Fields and his ability to kind of move around but um it sounds like for sure tevin jenkins is not going to be playing we'll see about the rest they've got some time to heal up there's things like hand injuries and whatnot and uh, the chicago bears head coach has already said he will not comment on injuries until he's required to i think on september 6th so we've got like over a week before we get any kind of official word and, and i think everyone's for the most part going to go dark in other words we're not going to have a bunch of news where these or press conferences or whatever where we're going to get answers on these kinds of things they're going to go underground and get into the lab and focus on the packers bears etc so we got some time to kind of sit and speculate but um i mean it's, it's not a great offensive line you've got one two three four of the five actually <laughs> five of the five five of the six i guess if you include a, a backup 
Darnell Wright, Nate Davis, Cody Whitehair, Tevin Jenkins, and Lucas Patrick all have injuries. We'll see how many of them play. And remember, this is not a very good pass-blocking group to begin with. Braxton Jones did a decent job. He gave up a bunch of pressures, but he graded out well as a pass blocker. I'm guessing Justin Fields rushing around had a lot to do with that. You know, again, Wright is a rookie. How many rookies do a good job in their rookie seasons? Bunch of guys in the first round last year. How did they do? Akema Kwandu went number six overall. He had a 64 run blocking grade, 67 pass blocking grade. That's it. Number six overall. Evan Neal went number seven. He had a 47 pass blocking grade and a 48 run blocking grade. He went number seven. That's trash. Um, Charles Cross went number nine. 64 pass blocking grade, 63 run blocking grade. Not very good. Trevor Penning had a 38 pass blocking grade and didn't even play until week 12. Zero first round picks last year produced jack squat. So the offensive line, in my opinion, has not massively improved, and we don't even know what that's going to be. And I think even Bears fans at this point are pretty shaken up about the level of... They're excited about the level of play, but it's mostly backups that did a good job. Starters are all hurt. Beyond that, and and let me be fair as we move on now to Justin Fields, we really didn't get a very good look at Justin Fields. We didn't get to see a ton of him. We didn't. He threw nine passes. Nine passes, five completions, 180 yards, and two touchdowns is what Fields did. Now, that sounds more impressive than it is. We all know why. Bunch of ridiculous yards after the catch, terrible tackling, etc., etc. But it really wasn't a very good outing. He had zero big-time throws. Uh, zero turnover-worthy plays is uh, false, in my opinion, but okay. DJ Moore did such a good job playing defense that uh, the defender never had a chance, apparently. But just a 58 passing grade. Now, here, here's the thing. Justin Fields last year, if we want to read too much into preseason grades, was one of the highest graded in the entire preseason. And not as a runner, 72 running grade, 87.4 passing grade. He went on to be terrible, right? So we can't read too much into it. But here's sort of the, the bigger thing, right? It's, it's, it's sort of the polar opposite of how I feel about Jordan Love. I don't know anything about Jordan Love, really. But the little bits that I've seen and the little bits that I've heard give me confidence that he's got the foundation to build a very prominent and impressive Packers career. He's got a lot of little tiny details to iron out, right? You, you think about Aaron Rodgers, how he was just watching that uh, hard knocks and he's like throwing grass in the air. And everybody's making fun of him. And he's like, well, you know, kind of gives me uh, a little bit more grip on my fingertips and all that. But you also can check the wind. And he's checking the wind, and he's talking, I mean, in depth about if the wind's blowing a little bit this way, it's got to come out of your hand a little bit more like this. And, and he's talked about that before, like over the years, learning how to, how to throw in the rain, how to throw when it's cold. How, you know, the ball is different when it's cold compared to when it's hot, different when it's wet, different when it's snowy, different when it's windy, wind gusts. So many nuanced things that you have to think on top of everything else that you're thinking about. But he's got a great foundation and some great fundamentals that seems like he's got it figured out. With Fields, it feels like the opposite, right? I mean, you saw some impressive things with the offense overall, the blocking with the guys up front, with DJ Moore and, and all the stuff he did after the catch, which more or less just run in a straight line, but still, real impressive stuff, right? I think the thing with Justin Fields, though, for me, that, that gives me the most confidence that there isn't a leap is that all of the negative traits that we saw, we still see. And so, is DJ Moore an improved wide receiver? Was Darnell Mooney injured, and potentially that could mean he's going to re return back to his, what would it be, 2021 form? Is it possible Cole Komet takes a step uh, again or something? I, uh, yeah, man. Yeah. But, but this is baked into the cake. We know that they're going to win more than, well, we don't know, but we already assumed, even without DJ Moore, they're going to win more than three games. So yeah, DJ Moore gets him a couple more yards and, and uh, maybe a handful more touchdowns than they would have got without him. He'll be open a little more, maybe get some yards after the catch. I mean, he was terrible with that last year. Um, I think in his four or five yard years, maybe two of those years, he was ranked fairly highly in terms of yards after the catch. Three of the four, he was ranked quite low. Just pointing that out because it's, it's now assumed that he's like a yak monster, like he's this great yak machine, and that's yards after the catch is what we're talking about here. But again, with, with, with there's, there's two basic assumptions here. Number one is there's no issues with fields. He just has a lack of, of opportunities. If that's the case, then 
well, the offensive line still probably isn't going to be very good, even though it's better than what everybody wanted to say it was last year, but whatever. And maybe there'll be more guys open a little bit more often. I don't know. The other assumption is Justin Fields is the one with the problems. And they both can be true, but, but the larger issue is Justin Fields himself. And the fact of the matter is everybody that's watching Justin Fields is seeing these things in full HD form. And even Bears fans now are starting to come around to this fact. All the trash talk has suddenly ceased. I haven't seen hardly any Bears fans talking trash. Uh, J.T. O'Sullivan just did his um, breakdown of the Chicago Bears and immediately just starts laughing, not just at Justin Fields. I mean, he tries to be nice to Fields. Again, they're always kind of complimentary of the quarterbacks, generally former quarterbacks are. They try to be as much as possible anyways. But even the scheme, first of all, the very first play, he, he says he likes the footwork and then goes on to criticize his footwork and, you know, how it's inconsistent and his base is too wide and all that stuff. But it looks like the play that they drew up cut the field in half, and only put three routes on the right side of the field. Why would you do that? To simplify things for fields. It seems to me that at this stage, the Bears are still trying as hard as they can to make things with as little complexity as possible. I mean, J.T. O'Sullivan is sitting here like, this is, this is high school stuff, dude. This is, this is nonsense. And he moves on to the second play. Again, destroying the play design. And it's funny, because I usually don't understand these things, but even as he's talking about it, I'm like, yeah, that... that that's, you know, I, I can immediately identify the issues with, with what they're doing. The play designs are garbage. But I want to point something else out here that, that maybe has been overlooked. I've made the case that there are quarterbacks who have gotten better when their number one guys leave. That was not the case with Aaron Rodgers. I hoped that it would be, but it absolutely was not. He needed to force the ball to Devontae. But some quarterbacks did get better. Is it possible that Justin Fields, I know it seems impossible that he could be worse, but is it possible Justin Fields could actually take a step back or even make more bad decisions with DJ Moore on the field? And if you watch J.T. O'Sullivan's video or just watch the, the Bears, uh, his, his six passes or whatever it was, that second play, now th there's a whole design concept issue, which is kind of weird, but essentially it's, it's single high coverage. So you got a safety in the middle of the field and you got two guys going way down the field. So he's, he, he really does have two reads on this. There's two guys. One of them's open, one of, is, one of them is not. One of them is DJ Moore, one of them is not. Unfortunately for Justin Fields, DJ Moore is not the guy that's open. Now, with him being covered, he should have glanced to the other side, right? You're checking that way, so the safety's drifting to that side of the field. Turn around, look to the other side, and you can launch this ball and get a big gain. He doesn't. He stares down DJ Moore. He wants DJ Moore the whole time. DJ Moore isn't open. And because Justin Fields' accuracy is bad, on top of his decision-making being bad... He tries to force a ball to DJ Moore to let his guy make a play, and he hits the defender in the back because it was such a bad throw. If Justin Fields is going to start trying to force the ball into tight windows or whatever to DJ Moore because he wants to give his guy a chance, that's going to be such a massive problem. He is, his picks are going to go through the roof because everybody's just going to know that. Everybody's going to be squatting on DJ Moore. They're just going to double cover DJ Moore and force him to go somewhere else or just bait him into going to DJ Moore. So right away you know again you watch these breakdowns of the packers and it's yeah there's there's some nitpicky stuff like this you'd love to see a little bit better of this you like to see this you like to see that dude they're breaking this down like what is, what is this crap this is trash the play callers in chicago are garbage and remember who their play caller is i don't know if you remember last year they they hired luke getze right from the green bay packers luke getze got a job because he's buddies with Aaron Rodgers and whatnot. That's a little unfair, but let's be completely honest about it. That's why he ended up back in Green Bay. He was a wide receivers coach. He got the quarterback job because Aaron Rodgers says, I want him to be the quarterback guy. Then our offensive coordinator gets hired away. Luke Etsy seems to be the obvious successor to get the offensive coordinator job for the Packers. They overlook Luke Etsy, meaning he wasn't even the number two. He was at best the number three. We hired our offensive coordinator. The Bears took Luke Etsy, right? Bears fans last year went through this love-hate thing. They freaking hated him. Getsy's the biggest piece of trash ever. And then they'd have like a good running game and they'd be like, dude, Getsy's a genius. And then he's trash and then he's a genius. But man, you look at these play designs and it's like, this is, this is bad. So you've got a quarterback that makes bad decisions, doesn't have very good accuracy, and you're setting him up for failure with ridiculous play calls. Justin Fields, this game, it's just this game, felt like he got locked on certain guys. And this throw is... You know, that throw is off by yards. If you're trying to back shoulder that throw, that throw needs to be at the 35 on the sideline, not the 42 inside. 
you know, maybe the 40 on the sideline. Just significantly off. And it felt just totally not connected at all. As so, okay, that's, that's basically how the video goes, right? It is garbage. And, and again, it's the opposite of what we're hearing from Jordan. Yes, it's just the preseason, but the point is that the major question is, is he going to make this big Jalen Hurts leap? Which, again, is, is a complete fallacy. The idea that, that they're going to follow the same trajectory. I've already told you, if he takes a Jalen Hurts leap from where he was last year, he's not even going to be a good quarterback. It, it's just, it's not a thing. Jalen Hurts took a big step from year one to year two, and then took a big step from year two to year three. There was a gradual progression. Justin Fields went backwards from year one to year two. And again, the, the larger question is, okay, here are the identifiable issues with Justin Fields. Is it getting better? It's a very small sample, but it, it's almost as if the same issues are there, and now we've added a new issue, which is locking into DJ Moore. And this offseason might have been a disaster, because the entire offseason was Justin Fields going up against this trash defense that they have in training camp, and just picking apart the defense with DJ Moore. It was over and over and over. We heard about the relationship between the two. Oh, man, on the field, off the field, they are just in sync. Boom, boom, boom. They're just crushing people. You look at that first preseason game he was in. What did he do? He dumped it off to DJ Moore, and DJ Moore go gets, goes and gets a touchdown. You look at this third preseason game he's in. What does he do? He tries to force the ball to DJ Moore. That's his nice, warm security blanket. This, I mean, this could be a disaster. And if the Packers are, if Joe Barry's not a freaking idiot, Joe Barry, if you're listening to this podcast, brother, if any Green Bay Packers are listening to this podcast, you need to talk to Joe Barry. I don't care if you're the freaking equipment manager. I don't care if you're the water boy. Call somebody who calls somebody who calls somebody and talk to him. They are going to lock into DJ Moore. That is your priority. Understand that he will force the ball over and over and over to DJ Moore. Take advantage of that. Take advantage of that. Please take advantage of that. Do not allow them opportunities to scheme open DJ Moore because that's what they're going to try to do. And if you allow them to do that successfully, we're going to get beat by the most obvious garbage football team in history. Just don't give them this easy crap of DJ Moore coming wide open across the middle. Understand that Fields is only going to try to force it to DJ Moore. Slight exaggeration, but seriously, that's, that's what he's going to do. And they may have to work that out of him, but that's going to happen over the course of the weeks. But week one... Understand, that's his new flashy toy. Oh, we're going to show you. Show you this, this cool relationship we got. Okay, great. Great. Make sure you're freaking ready for that, because I swear to you, if you allow DJ Moore to come running wide open, and Fields is going to sit in the pocket and just dump the ball off to a wide open DJ Moore, I'm going to take my TV and I'm going to smash you in the mouth with it. I'm going to take it right off my wall, dismount that freaking thing, drive to Green Bay, and I'm going to smash you in the teeth with my TV. Somebody call Joe Barry, please. Matt LaFleur, call Matt and tell Matt, you got to talk to Joe, man. You want to win the game, just take away DJ Moore. That's it. He goes on to say the footwork, the timing, the decision, the ball, all bad. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, ta I'm not talking, who was it? Somebody on uh, Twitter here. Oh, I think it's Green and Gold Draft. It's G and G Draft on Twitter. He's always posting a bunch of stuff on there. He's actually got a YouTube, too. Let me check that. Anyways, I think that's what, um, yeah, here it is. It says... Look for traits, not results. And I think that right there can encapsulate a lot of the arguments, especially between Packers and Bears fans. One of their favorite things to talk about is how Packer fans get so excited about incomplete passes. Now, obviously, it's easy to understand why that's a stupid critique from the standpoint of that was a great throw and somebody dropped it. Oh, you're getting excited about an incompletion. You're an idiot. But this is a great way to articulate that. Traits, not results. Forget the fact of the, the, the results. Even, even Jordan Love having good results and Justin Fields having bad results. Forget that. That doesn't comfort me. The fact that Jordan Love had like an 80 PFF grade and Justin Fields had like a 55 PFF grade in the preseason. That has nothing to do with my comfort level. It has to do with the traits. It has to do with the fact that when you look at the fundamentals, when people that understand fundamentals look at the fundamentals of Jordan Love, they say that this guy's got the fundamentals down and he looks scary. Even on the incompletions, it, everything is fundamentally sound. Even on the plays that broke down, it was the right read, the right decision, the right play call. And for Fields, it's not about the bad results. It's about, I mean, it, it's the bad results being, because sometimes a bad result can happen when everything's right. It's the fact that the bad results are followed or are the result of bad footwork, bad decisions, bad reads, bad timing, bad throws, you know, throwing motion, everything. It's, it's all these bad traits 
that ended up into this bad situation here, this one bad play. That's what gives me comfort that we're not going to see this massive leap from Justin Fields. Aside from that, it's more of the same, man. They got DJ Moore. We'll see what that does. They got Chase Claypool, who they had last year. Now, Bears fans will tell you, well, he didn't have a time to acclimate and all this stuff. Okay, whatever. So, yeah, he's going to make a massive jump for the first time in his career. Got it. Uh, Darnell Mooney, same dude we saw. I think they're dealing with a bunch of other injuries as well. And so, Equinemius, they didn't initially expect was going to make it, but it looks like he's going to be back. Bayless Jones is still the guy. So, other than that, the only other addition is fourth-round rookie Tyler Scott. Tyler Scott, in the preseason ranked 39th out of 42 offensive players for the Bears. He had a 45 PFF grade. No, that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but look, it is what it is. It's Darnell Mooney, it's Chase Claypool, it's DJ Moore. Now, before we take a break, it is worth noting, and it's probably fake nonsense, but it is worth mentioning so that you can, you know, hear it here first. There are some rumors about a potential Darnell Mooney trade. And the reaction from Bears fans tells you everything that you need to know about their phony optimism about how good Darnell Mooney is. They don't want him to go, but, you know, for the right price, yeah, sure. <laughs> Freaking get out of here. Tight end is still Cole Komet. Yes, they brought in Robert Tunyon. I don't expect him to have a big role. Yes, they brought in Mercedes Lewis. I expect him to have a similar role to what he did in Green Bay, which is he's going to largely be a blocker, help Justin Fields get those rushing yards, maybe once in a blue moon slip out for a, for a reception here and there. Tunyon, by the way, was the lowest graded player in their preseason <laughs> at least on their offense he had a 39.2 grade a 37.3 receiving grade but you know maybe he'll be a difference maker i don't know what do i know and then as far as the running backs i mean look there, there's a lot of optimism and i think rightly so they were the number one rushing team in football they did lose um their running back david montgomery but i think the better running back ended up staying and then they added a guy in the draft that they're excited about Fair enough. Then they brought in a free agent, Deontay Foreman. No real reason to be excited, but they're excited. I, I, I think the only thing... Look, it's, it's a team that is built to run. Their quarterback is a great runner. Their offensive line is probably one of the better run-blocking offensive lines. I, I don't know that. I'm just guessing based on the fact that I know they have a couple good run blockers and most teams are not built that way because that's stupid. But fair enough. The only thing I would say to Bears fans is that you need to remember, similar to what I say about Packers fans with wide receivers, you only have one number one, and you only have one number two and one number three. You do not have three number ones. You can't have three number ones because there's not three footballs. Only one guy's going to get the most carries with the most yards. Then there's another guy who's going to get the second most carries with the second most yards. And there's another guy who's going to get the third most carries with the third most yards. And you got to remember the quarterback might be that first guy. So, yeah, one of them, probably the guy that was already there, is going to be probably a pretty decent threat to some degree. I don't know. But do you have three guys that are going to tear up the league and, you know, you, you need them like in the first round of your fantasy draft? No, you don't, because that would be stupid. Anyways, um, why don't we go ahead and take a break? We'll come back and take a quick look at their defense, and then we'll get out of here. Tomorrow is... Uh, the big day with the 53 cutdowns and whatnot, so we'll get on to that. Well, I'll get started on that tomorrow. We'll talk about it the next day. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, Chicago Bears defense, and, and there's a lot of excitement here. And I think to some degree it's fair, and to some degree it's stupid. To some degree, it's fair because technically things have upgraded. Technically speaking, but not to a major degree. So what happened is a lot of bodies were added. Some of these bodies are completely garbage. And yet Bears fans are excited because they're human beings that got added to their team and they assume that just makes everything better. It doesn't. Some of them are just bad at football and they aren't going to help at all. Some of them will upgrade what you had last year, but are not actually bringing you to the level of the top NFL teams, right? I mean, you, you can't even compete with the Packers, who everyone assumes is the lowest form of football team in the NFL right now, which is funny. I've got something I want to play for you tomorrow. I, I have it now, but I'm going to save it for tomorrow. Maybe the next day. I don't know. But the point is, like, yes, you improved, but you went from like, a 2 out of 10 to a 4 out of 10. And you've got Rashawn Gary, who's like a 9 out of 10. You've got Aiden Hutchinson, who's last year was like a 7 out of 10 with some upward mobility potential, you know? You got Daniil Hunter in Minnesota. Like, you have actual real scary football players that you just are not really going to compete with. And we've kind of gone through this already. But they have added more people. And obviously they've got some cutdowns coming up, so this will be um, a little bit more refined when the time comes. I mean, we're mostly just talking about the starters anyways, but you know, you, you look at, for example, the defensive line, the edge group. But for example, they brought in Demarcus Walker from Tennessee. Now Walker's not a bad football player. He's 29 years old, so he's, you know, he's not the future. 6'4", 280, so he's freaking massive. Even for a team that likes those big 265, 270-pound edge rushers, 280 is, I mean, you're you're kind of a, you're pushing being more of a D tackle than a D end at 280. But I mean, he had a 72.8 PFF grade, mostly on the back of, I think he had one, two, three, four. He had five good games only. Run defense grade was a 68. He had one, two games in the 70s. And then his pass rush grade was actually a 67. One, two, three, four, five good games the entire season. But the pressures were decent, 32 pressures on 274 attempts. There's nothing wrong with that. Granted, that was a high year for him. And the Bears did this across the board, so they actually could potentially be setting themselves up for a complete disaster. They found guys who, for example, their PFF grades spiked. And maybe this is a complete failure of their pro personnel staff. If they're just going back and looking at 2022, oh, think how crazy this would be. Imagine... They're going back and looking at 2022, and they're building out the valuation of these players based on 2022. The league as a whole is valuing them based on their overall value and their projected value, because you look at, for example, since 2019, his grades were 63, 54, 60, and then 73. Low 60s, low mid 50s, low 60s, and then low 70s. So if you're, if you're grading 2022 tape and building their valuation of what they're worth, you're going to win all the guys that were spiked in 2022 because nobody else is going to have ha as high of a valuation as you are because they're going to look at the full body of work and say, no, you're more like a $10 million player than a $17 million player. And the Bears are like, dude, these were 17 and so they're going to pay the highest price despite the fact that that might be kind of stupid. Just a thought. Then on the other side, they've got Yannick Ngakwe. We've obviously talked incessantly about Yannick. 
I mean, is it up an upgrade over what they had? Probably. Is he a formidable foe? Not so much. I mean, he look, he's an NFL football player. He's a mid-tier guy. He's going to make an impact. Could he potentially get some pressure, some sacks, bring some problems for Jordan Love? Yes. Am I as scared of him as almost any other team's edge rusher? Not really. On the interior, Justin Jones and Andrew Billings. I mean, Billings is a, a good addition in terms of the run defense. I don't think he brings too much more. Justin Jones likes to run his mouth. I mean, the, the fact that Justin Jones is now a starter, whereas last year he was a backup, kind of speaks to the weakness of this interior. They did add Zach Pickens and Javon Dexter. There's been a ton of hype about Javon Dexter, like highlight after highlight after highlight. And the fact of the matter is, I went back and looked at his PFF grade. He was one of the lowest graded this preseason for the Bears. So the hype has been kind of nonsense. I mean, at best, he's sort of having a Devontae Wyatt situation where they're hearing a lot of good things, but it's not being put in the games. Then at linebacker, again, we've talked about it a ton. By the way, it should be noted their fifth-round pick, Noah Sewell. Sounds like he suffered a pretty serious injury. Um, but their starting linebackers are going to be Jack Sanborn, TJ Edwards, and Tremaine Edmonds. I think it's probably, I mean, look, Jack Sanborn had a pretty solid rookie year, right? He was the guy that was further down the depth chart back when they even had Roquan. It was like, man, this guy's going to be legit. Like, he fits He fits what we do better than Roquan does, was what Bears fans were saying. And they might have been right. Um TJ Edwards is a guy that I've liked for a long time. Um, TJ Edwards, I feel like Philadelphia, he's always graded out really well. Philly's always kind of used him as sort of like a number two, number three linebacker. Just hasn't given him, you know, as much as I thought that he deserved. So his snap counts are lower than most linebackers who are starters, but he's always graded out very well. Tremaine Edmonds has been garbage for a long time, but had an elite year last year, right? So look, I... I'm willing to just concede the linebacker thing. The Bears have always had good linebackers. Maybe they're just going to knock this one out of the park. They're known for their linebackers. Fine, have linebackers. This never helped you in the past. There you go. Congratulations. Best linebackers in football. It doesn't move the freaking needle. Best linebackers, best running backs. Congratulations. If we can find a time machine to send you back to 1962, you might have a shot. Um, at corner, they're looking at rookie Tyreek Stevenson, second-year player Kyler Gordon, and uh, Jalen Johnson, who was a second-round pick in 2020. Relatively young group. But, I mean, we, we've kind of established what Jalen Johnson is. He's kind of a swing and a miss for the Chicago Bears. Could he take a leap in year four? Of course he can. But, I mean, <laughs> you could argue he's gotten better every year. He went from a 56 to a 60 to a 65. So he's going up four to five points per so he'll be bordering on a, uh, a 70 this year if he continues on that track. But the bottom line is he's been average every single year. 54, 64, 63 overall this past year. That was his coverage grade was the first thing we looked at. So he's he's average. He's been average every single year. Um, missed time with injury last year, and this is presumably going to be their number one corner. Their slot uh kyler gordon they were all hyped about him he was terrible last year like just awful he had a 49 pff grade 46 coverage grade he had three games that were in the 70s or higher but only two in the 60s everything else was below that he had one two three four five six games below the 50s he had three games where he graded in the 30s including week two against green bay he gave up 795 yards and four touchdowns last year, 110.8 passer rating when targeted. It was pretty brutal. And then, yes, there is Tyreek Stevenson. Um, I'm sure there's been some level of hype about him, but, uh, you know, it's, it, all we have is the preseason, and so far he is the sixth highest graded corner on his own team. Now, it's a little unfair because he's the fourth highest graded corner in terms of coverage. It's just that his, you know, run defense and whatnot is, is pretty trash. But still, Jalen Johnson graded higher, Kendall Vildor graded higher, and Michael Ujimedia graded higher. Ujimudia, whatever. So we'll see. Week one, we go up against a mediocre Jalen Johnson, a bad Kyler Gordon. I mean, it's year two. Maybe he'll take a step. And rookie Tyreek Stevenson. Those are the corners that we're going up against. Then at safety, Jaquan Brisker and Eddie Jackson. This is probably going to be a pretty good group, but I don't think it's going to be as good as Bears fans think, and the biggest reason is Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson has been a very... If you just look at what Eddie Jackson has been, 
there's every reason to believe he is a mediocre safety. 2017, 2019, 2020, and 2021, he was a mediocre safety. He had a breakout year in 2018. He had a 93 PFF grade and a 95 coverage grade, all of which was on the back of six interceptions. He didn't have six interceptions in any of those four years. In fact, combined, he had uh, four in all of the one, two, three, what did I say, four seasons that I listed off where he was mediocre. And then he had another semi-good season again this year. 76.2, 74.3 coverage grade. Now maybe that's the new defensive coordinator. It's possible. Maybe it's because Jaquan Brisker is next to him and he was pretty decent. Or maybe it's because he had four picks again. Again, he had 10 interceptions in those two years. He had four in the other four years. He had zero interceptions in 2021 or 2020. You bring that four interceptions down to a, a one or two, which is what's more likely, he's back to being in the 60s again. And Jaquan Brisker, there was a ton of hype because he had some really big plays. You know, he came up and was smoking people. He had, I don't know, I don't think, he only had one interception. But he ended with a 67 overall grade. So for all the hype and all the excitement and all the the big plays that he made and the, the recognition skills and all the stuff that was talked about with him, I mean, he was he was okay. That isn't to say he can't grow, but the point is, the idea is we have these two really good safeties. And what you had was one guy had a very unusually high year, which we've seen this before. Last time he had an unusually high year, I said he was going to come back down to earth, and he did. Now, it's possible he stays up here because it's a little bit more of a realistic jump with a new defensive coordinator. But I think it's just as likely that he comes back down to who he's always been, especially since we know interceptions, which are a fleeting stat, is what pushed him up through the ceiling. And Jaquan Brisker, as good as the, the hype is for him, eh, he had five good games and only one in the 60s, which means everything else was 50s or below. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of his games were below average to bad. So I tell you what, I am going to play this today. We're going to end with this. I had, uh, I wish I could remember who sent me this. They sent it to me on Twitter, but it is a um, Michigan sports radio station, 97.1 FM, The Ticket. So it's, again, it, this is a Michigan station, so they're primarily talking about the Detroit Lions, but I think it's appropriate for what we're talking about here. I mean, I, I want to play it either way, but it kind of fits and it'll, it'll take us out of here. Um, let's start about here. Yeah, Mike. We live in the state of Michigan, so there's an inherent hate for certain teams. But when you look at this, because we look at live in the state of Michigan, are we simply overlooking the Green Bay Packers? You look at what Jordan Love did in the preseason, 21 for 33 for 193 yards, three touchdowns, zero INTs, had a QB rating of about uh, 109. Like, he went out there and got it done in the time that he was playing. Now, before you say, well, it's preseason. Well, we didn't see Goff do anything this preseason. It's his team. This could be addition by subtraction. Green Bay is quietly just laying in the weeds, and we've all dismissed them and said, when Aaron Rodgers left, they can't possibly be any good. They can run the ball. They got a defense. If Luff can just go out there and not turn this thing over, they may be the team we're not talking about. Now, there's a little bit more I want to play. He goes on to talk about Ohio State and how they just cannot believe Ohio State's going to end up being the best team, which is weird to me as an outsider because it's like you should probably just know that. But they apparently are doing the same thing with it. Like, it's a new quarterback. The bad quarterback's gone, and so now everything's going to change. I, I don't know. That's not my realm. I'm just, I, I find that odd. But here's the thing with the Packers. I'm glad that people are now seeing it, but have we not been screaming this in your face for months? Have Packer fans not been screaming this with veins popping in my eyes, screaming at you? The one I lean towards is I'm sleeping more on, on Green Bay. I'm more guilty of the Green Bay thing because the point you've made, they have the best roster. Mm-hmm. Like, I believe the Lions are going to win this division, but it's, it's because they, they don't have the best roster, but they have a settled quarterback situation. They have, a, a, they have this continuity on the offensive side of the ball. I viewed it with Aaron Rodgers leaving and Jordan Love, who was completely forgotten about, mm -hmm. that they just wouldn't get it done. But like what Rico's saying, guys, 
If you look player for player on a 53-man roster, Green Bay's roster is better than yours. Yeah. And 248-539-9797, are we just overlooking Green Bay? Are we overlooking Ohio State? Because when you look at Jordan Love, Mike, they actually did things the way you used to do in the NFL when you drafted a player and you groomed him for a couple of years. It's what they did with Aaron. Right. And we all thought that after Brett Favre left, oh, Green Bay is going to fall off. Guess what? They didn't. Here's the recipe. For Green Bay, they're going to play the way they've played the last two years, and it's the right move. Pound the rock, play defense. Aaron was a game manager. That works for you. Right. So anyways, again, the, the, the point here, when you look at the Chicago Bears and you look at the Green Bay Packers, I don't know what the Packers are going to be, but let's be completely and totally honest about this. Not only can we very seriously have the debate of whether the Packers have the best roster in the NFC North, which I think you could very easily make a case for that. I understand quarterback is a big consideration. If you strip away quarterback, I don't really know that it's massively debatable that the Packers have the best roster, but you know, you could try. And so the fact of the matter is the Packers have a roster that I'm not going to say is Super Bowl bound because I don't know about the quarterback. I don't know about the wide receivers. I don't know about the tight ends. There's too much youth with question marks, but there are enough superstars on this team to say that if we can hit on half of these guys and the quarterback can be above average, we've got a playoff caliber team. I know the offensive line is good. I know the running backs are good. I'm confident the wide receivers are going to be capable. I'm becoming confident that Jordan Love is going to be capable. I'm becoming confident that at least Luke Musgrave will be a decent tight end and better than what we had with, for example, Robert Tunyon. The defensive line should not be worse than it was last year. The edge rushers should be better than they were last year with, when you factor in Rashawn Gary being out. The linebackers, the only reason I'm saying that I'm, I would question it is because I don't know the health of Devondre Campbell. But with those two back, I think you, you can reasonably assume that you're in a better situation. The corners, I think we are in a good situation with Jair being a very good corner, Razul being a capable corner, and Keyshawn being, well, he sets a decent floor. The Bears are not in this situation. The Bears have a bad roster. They have a banged up and not super great offensive line all across the board. We don't know what the rookie is. Nate Davis is a plug-in. He's not a future guy. You know, for a team that's rebuilding, they're getting a lot of veterans. This is what's stupid about the Bears. They're playing... I don't even know what the strategy is here. They're, they're playing as though they're going all in, except they're not even getting good players. They're kind of getting plug-and-play players to set a floor, but they're also kind of older, and, and it's not temporary necessarily because they're spending so much money on guys like Tremaine Edmonds. I mean, do, do you think your window is now? Are you preemptively doing this because you think your window is next year? Do you not realize how far you have to go? Like, DJ Moore was solid. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. That's a solid pickup. He's a young dude, relatively. He can be there with Justin Fields for the foreseeable future. And if Fields isn't the guy, he can be there for the next guy. I don't have a problem with that necessarily. But some of this other stuff, like, what are, what are we doing? I don't fully understand the goal. But it's not a very good football team. That's all I can tell you. Anyways, I'm going to get out of here. You guys have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. 